All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight that we can absolutely trust your word. We know for a fact that your word is settled in heaven. You're not about to change your mind regarding what you've said. You're not a man that you could lie. And what you've promised, that's what you will do. And so tonight we give you thanks that we get to participate with you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let me start off with this tonight. Well, let me say this to you. What I'm going to share tonight is very simple. It's probably something that you have heard before. However, it may have been a while since you heard it. So it might seem new to you since it's been a while since you heard it. So we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of things in the Bible here tonight. Proverbs 18.21 says this. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, I, I believe that's true. I believe death and life are in the power of the tongue. We sometimes underestimate what our words do and what our words can accomplish Well, what they do accomplish, whether we're speaking the word of God or not, sometimes we fail to understand and recognize just how powerful our words are. Now, let me just say this. Truth is not relative, nor is it subjective. Truth is truth, and truth is unchanging. There's truly no such thing as my truth and your truth. There's only truth. In our world today, people talk a lot about, well, that's truth, that's your truth, or that's your truth, or that's, this is my truth. Well, the reality is they're just truth. Jesus told us, he said, he said talk, when he was praying to the Father, he said, thy word is truth. So when we're talking tonight, we want to make sure we hook in to the truth, and we find out what does the Bible actually say to us. So, Scripture says in Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, obviously, you've heard that. That has to do with, the, it's a picture of God rolling up his sleeve, and the arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report. So we understand the arm of the Lord is revealed to believers. And so if we're going to have a revelation of God's power, we've got to believe his word, believe his report. Now, obviously, Isaiah 53, is, is, it's called the heart of the Bible, and it's about Jesus. It's prophetically speaking of Jesus. And so I learned a long time ago that if I'm going to have revelation, I'm going to have to get revelation myself because revelation from the Word is not revelation unless it's my revelation. And I can share with you a lot of heavy revy, but it's, unless until it becomes your revelation, it's not your revelation. So we have to get that. Uh, I heard, I heard uh, the author Sunset Mom, Somerset Mom one time said, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the best, you very often get it. So what we have to learn how to do is we have to learn to believe what God said, receive what God said, and understand that I can't live on somebody else's revelation. I can only live on my revelation of God and His power because His arm is going to be revealed when I believe His report. It's not what others say, it's what what God said to me. This is what I know about the Lord. He is known by revelation. He's known by revelation, not by explanation. You can explain God all you want to, but it's revelation 
that we have relationship with God. Not through an explanation of Him. And revelation is only revelation when it's your revelation. Faith only works when we believe for ourselves and make a demand on what God promised us. If, another's, if another person's faith can't get me into heaven, it can't help me reach my destiny either. My mama believes in me, but her faith isn't going to help me get where I'm supposed to be. It's my revelation. It's what I need. Charles Capps said this one time. He said, the Bible is so simple, you have to have someone else help you misunderstand it. <laughs> the Bible is not complicated. We have to get the report from God's Word. Must get it for ourselves. <clears throat> you know, in Bible college, I discovered early on that, that theologians try to make the Bible be a book without any common sense. They try to make it so, so that, that it's so complicated you can't find God for yourself. But the reality is God says what he means and he means what he says. John Wesley said this. He said, when I was young, and I think I could have said this, when I was young, I was sure of everything. In a few years, having been mistaken a thousand times, I was not half so sure of most things as I was before. At present, I'm hardly sure of anything but what God has revealed to me. That's the only thing we can be sure of. What did God say? What did He say? So we we got to get 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 hold of get a revelation of His power. So I want to I want to read here from from the book of Hebrews for just a second. Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews chapter three. I, I'm I'm excited about what I'm going to share, and I actually have my outline done differently tonight. So I'm going to have to actually turn to all the scriptures this time, instead of having them already in my outline. Hebrews chapter three. I want us to look in Hebrews chapter 3, and and I want us to look at verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Verse 12 in that chapter says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, that's an interesting verse to me right there. That's not where I'm going to base what I'm going to talk about. But I think it goes without saying that that this verse is telling us that unbelief is evil. When When we have a heart of unbelief, that's evil. An evil heart of unbelief. When we look at chapter 4, verse 1, or verse 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we, we understand that we live this life with God by faith, but I want to focus back on Hebrews 3, 1, when it says that we are to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Jesus is the high priest and the apostle of our, of our profession. Now, this, this verse is written in the context where the Bible is comparing Jesus and Moses. Okay, if you read the, the previous chapter, Moses was the go-between God and the people. He was the one that stood between them. Jesus is the go-between today. All right, the Bible's comparing the two. The Bible says to consider him. The word consider means to observe fully or it means to discover him. All right? it's, we need to discover Jesus, 
not religion, not denomination, but to observe him fully more than just having a casual knowledge. The Bible says that Jesus is an apostle and a high priest. Now, the Jewish people always considered the high priest to be an apostle from God. They always, they always thought the high priest was an apostle. The word apostle means one sent forth on a mission. All right. When Jesus came to earth, he was an apostle of God to us. He came to the earth, represented God to us. That was his job. Now that job is finished, and we know Jesus is now our, our high priest, and now he represents us to God. Before he represented God to us, now he represents us to God. He goes before the Father on our behalf. He's the high priest of our profession. <clears throat> it's interesting. When I was pastoring a church, people always thought I was their go-between. They would come to me wanting me to pray for them, wanting me to get the miracle for them, wanting me to do all that. And I would say, listen, that's not my job. My job is to bring the word of God to you. It's Jesus' job to be your go-between. Jesus is the one you need to be going to. He's the one you need. We've got to realize that, it's, that Jesus is that high priest. All right. So the job of the high priest, and I've shared this before on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, is the job of the high priest is to present sacrifices as the go-between between the peep from the people to God. So Jesus offered the sacrifices. We know that Jesus offered his own blood, and he did that once and for all as the high priest. In the, in the Old Covenant, the high priest went once a year. He offered the blood of the, of, of, of the lamb or the blood of the goat. He sprinkled on the altar. And God received that sacrifice. And the sins of the people in the Old Covenant were rolled forward. All right, They were atoned. They were covered is what that word atonement means. The, Greek, the Hebrew word is kephar, which means cover. All right, so the sins of the people were covered until the next year when the priest offered the, the blood again. And they were atoned for another time. When Jesus offered his blood on the altar in heaven, the one not made with human hands, but the one that the one on earth was a picture of, he offered his blood, the Bible says, one time for all time. And he didn't just atone for our sin. Jesus obliterated our sins, and they were canceled. All right, so Jesus, Jesus brought us to God in a different way. He offered his own blood. Now, we know this about a high priest. After, after Other than that one Offering a year, the high priest offered to God the, priest, the, the, the sacrifices of the people. They would go daily and offer sacrifices of the people. All right? Jesus, the Bible here says, is the high priest, the apostle and high priest of our profession. Profession. This isn't talking about my profession as, uh, as, uh, as a gemologist or my profession as a dentist. It's ta- the word here, profession, is, is the Greek word homo logeo. Homo logeo. He's the, he's the high priest of our homo logeo. That word literally means agreement. Homo means the same. Logeo is from logos, which means word. It's same word. Jesus is the high priest of our same word, of our agreement with God. He's, he's, he's this, he, he, the, the word literally means to agree with someone and say it out loud. To say the same thing as someone else because we agree with them. Jesus is the high priest. He offers to God the words that we say that agree with God. That's what he offers to God. He's the apostle of our 
Confession is a better word. There are two words in the New Testament for confession. One of them means to agree is, is agreement. The other one means to 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 uh, go to God and to confess sin. That that's talking about when we we talk we we tell God about the sin. But this word isn't about that. Jesus is the apostle or the high priest of what we say, as long as what we say agrees with God. Jesus is the apostle of agreement. He is sent forth as an apostle and high priest by what we say when we agree with him. That's what this is talking about. Okay, He's only put into action offering what we give to God when what we give to God agrees with what God, what God says. So if I, go to, if I go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am just no good. I'm worthless. I'm lousy. Jesus, thankfully, doesn't take that one to the Father. Okay? All right. But when I go to Jesus and I say, Jesus, by your stripes, I was healed. Now, Jesus can take that to the Father because that agrees with what the Father already said. All right, so it's talking about agreement. All right, as a high priest, he can offer only to God what we present that he agrees with. All right, in the Old Covenant, they couldn't take a pig to offer it to God because they didn't agree. Because they had to take the lamb without blemish. Our words of confession are the, are the things he can offer. Our sacrifice of praise, which is the words that we speak, that, that's what Jesus can offer to God. Okay, so think about that for just a minute. Now I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. I'm going to go somewhere here with all of these, these passages. Matthew 10, verse 28. Okay, look at what this is going to say. I'm sure glad you're having to look up John. That way you get to look them up tonight. Look, here's what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Now, that's not a very fun verse to read out loud. But what it's talking about is reverence. It's talking about reverencing. not the. We don't need to have reverence to people who can kill us physically. Our reverence needs to be to the only one who can send us to hell. He's who we should reverence. He's the one that we need to have respect for. He goes on to say, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? Now, that's a powerful statement. Let me tell you, you can, two birds are sold for this amount of money, but one of them can't even die without my father knowing about it. He's so aware of that. But, I love this, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I mean, God... He knows when the birds die, but more than that, I'm more valuable than the bird. He knows how many hairs I have, and that's less than many of you. <laughs> All of you, pretty much. <laughs> I noticed he didn't say the hairs on your back because I could kind of compete there. I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> he says, fear you not, therefore, are you not of more value than many sparrows? Now, here's an interesting thing. It almost sounds like Jesus is getting ready to change gears here. But he goes on to say, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. It almost sounds like he just went a whole different direction, didn't it? He's talking about sparrows. 
He's talking about our value, talking about how valuable we are to God. He's talking about value in the human being. And then all of a sudden he says, if you'll confess me before the Father, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. He's still talking about the same subject. He's talking about value. He's talking about who we are. He's talking about the words that we speak. The word confess here is the same word, homo logeo, as we found in Hebrews 3, verse 1. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. It means to say the same thing as to agree with. All right? We've been taught for a long time that these verses have to do with being born again and getting to heaven. Jesus wasn't talking about the new birth when he got to those verses about our confession of, the, of him before men. Now, it's very applicable to telling people when they get born again, they need to confess Jesus and they don't need to deny him. But that isn't exactly what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about something really altogether different. I'm going to paraphrase. He basically said, Whoso, whoever therefore shall agree with me before men, I will agree with them also before the Father. He's talking about agreement with the Father. Let me just say something. Words that we speak in the earth have impact in the heavenlies. We sometimes fail to understand the power of words that we speak in the earth. Remember, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus here is saying that we are to confess, to agree with the Father before men so that the Father will agree with us from the heavenlies. Another passage reads it that, that if we'll confess him before men, then, then, then the Father will confess, will confess before the angels what we just said. A lot of times when people don't get heavenly help because they're not speaking the right thing. All right? The context here is not worrying about what people think. Learning how to agree with God in spite of what everybody else thinks. In our age of political correctness, this is really a dangerous passage of Scripture. To agree with God, no matter what everybody else thinks, but people think you're crazy. They already think we're crazy when we say stuff like, well, you know, the Lord told me. I mean, they think you're out of your mind that, you know, I heard somebody one time, somebody said to me, they said, you know, it makes me nervous when I hear the preacher say that, that he heard from God. And I, would, I said to her, I said, I said, you know, let me tell you something, what would make me more nervous if the preacher never heard from God. I mean, what, 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 what we, we need to be hearing from God. Now, honestly, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I know he speaks and he speaks in my spirit and he intends for me to agree with him. And if he says it, he intends for me to say it. Rather than him saying it, I don't feel it, so I say something different because it's my truth. No, his truth is truth. And we need to learn how to say what he says. People think we're crazy if we speak for Jesus, if we speak what God said. I'm telling you, we're crazy, but crazy like a fox. And, and they thought Jesus was crazy anyway. And we need to recognize that we must say what God says. It's interesting. He said, if you'll deny me. The word deny is an interesting word. Agree. Confess means to agree, to say the same thing. The word deny literally means to contradict. It means to disavow, reject, or abnegate. However, it comes from two Greek words, a-reu. A means not, reu means speak. Deny means to not say. To confess means to say and agree. To deny means to not say, to contradict, to not say what God said. 
when we don't say what God said, then what that does is it limits any kind of help we can get from God. When we agree with God, it opens a channel that God can come and work in our behalf. Let me read you this passage of Scripture. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look what this is going to say. Come on. I tell you, words are powerful, and we need to learn how to make sure that what we say is what God said. Look in verse 11. It says, It is a faithful saying for It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now look at this. If we deny him, if we don't say, he also will not say for us. He will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. That's powerful right there. If we agree with him, he will agree with us. If we don't say, he won't say. We need to learn how to make sure our words, our mouths, line up with what he said. I mean, there's a connection between what I say here and what's being said in the heavenlies. I mean, this is a pretty powerful spiritual truth here. Look over in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And you've heard these verses, I'm sure. What it says here. It says, and Jesus is speaking, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Look at 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's saying here that our words are connected in both realms. Words are powerful. We need to learn how to speak words that agree with him. If we learn how to speak binding words to the devil, loosing words to the promises in this realm, it's, I'll tell you, God agrees with it. He agrees with everything we say. He sends angelic help. And things happen when we say what God says, when we simply agree with him. Isn't that good? Learning how to say what he says. Look in Romans chapter 10. And you know these verses. Romans chapter 10. We're going to look and begin in verse 6. Romans 10 verse 6. We'll start there. And, and, and we know these. These are verses we read all the time when we're getting people born again. But look what it says. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks. Now that's an interesting phrase right there. That the righteousness which is of faith speaks. What does it speak? It speaks what God said. It agrees with God. It says it speaks on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend to heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall... Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. It's quoting from, from Deuteronomy. It says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Now listen to this. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now this is interesting. Salvation was purchased 
2,000 years ago. It was procured for every man, woman, and child 2,000 years ago. And yet, it's received upon my confession when I agree. It releases the power of heaven. When we agree with what he said, we must be people that agree. Our words need to agree with him. Look in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse uh, 2. 1 John 4, 2, look what this says. And you've heard these verses. It says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that agrees with the fact that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not, that could have been the word deny, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, Wherever you have heard that it should come, and even now is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The connection here about overcoming is with the confession, with what we say. We agree with the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. That makes all the difference. The confession is absolutely essential to agree with what God has said. I really like this particular subject. Look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Look what this says. Come on here. It says, it says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus the righteous. We have an advocate with the Father, which is Christ Jesus the righteous. Look in Revelation. I'm going to put two points together here. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Revelation 12, 10. And again, we've all heard this. This isn't anything that's brand new to anybody here. But look what it says. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now these last two verses I read to you, one of them talks about Jesus being our advocate. The next one talks about this accuser. I want you to imagine a courtroom scene where there is the prosecutor and there's the defender. The devil is accusing us. Jesus is defending us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, For by thy words, you know the rest of this verse, by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Justification and condemnation are in the balance here. By our words we're justified, by our words, we're condemned. The devil is accusing us. Jesus is our advocate. Condemnation comes when we agree with Satan. Justification comes when we agree with Jesus. There are three voices that speak. There's the voice from hell. It says, you're sick. You're going to die of cancer. You're in trouble that you can never get out of. You'll never get out of debt. You are no good. You are worthless. That's the voice of the devil. There's the voice of God. By his stripes, you were healed. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. He says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I will supply all of your need. He's speaking. The devil's speaking. This is, this is all this is going on at one time. But what does your voice say? 
Because whatever, whatever your voice says is who gets to win this thing. If I agree with heaven, heaven is released. If I agree with hell, guess who's released? We need to learn how to agree. We cast the deciding vote. We decide whose words will be established in our lives. Jesus said we have that authority. If I speak fear, failure, sickness, poverty, I establish the kingdom of the enemy. But if I speak the word of God, health, prosperity, faith, and favor, I establish the kingdom of God. I get to decide that. You see, we need to learn how to say and agree with what God is saying. Agree with Him. I'm going to give you a few examples here. Look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. There are lots, there are lots of examples in the Scripture. Numbers 13. And you know, this, you know this passage. This is when the children of Israel decided that they, they sent the spies into the land and, and they came back and, and ten spies said, oh, we can't do it. But two spies, this is, this is the report of one of the spies. This is what, this is what uh, uh, Caleb says. It says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. <laughs> I love Caleb. I mean, the guy saw the same giants as everybody else. He saw the same thing. He heard the same word from God. He understood that God didn't send them to the promised land to make any decisions. God said, send them into the land that I am giving them. And they came back and decided that God might have made a mistake. <laughs> they said, they came back and said, man, that land is filled. Ooh, the fruit is huge. Look how big it is. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It is wonderful, but you can't have it. We can't get it. We're grasshoppers in their sight. I've always wondered that. How'd they know that? We're, how'd they know what they were thinking? But Caleb, he stopped. And he said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. When they said, they said, we can't go up against it. He said, let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome it. I mean, he said, we can't overcome. They said in Numbers 14, 2, would God that we had died in the wilderness. You ever read this story? Do you realize they all got their confession? <laughs> Everybody got exactly what they said. In fact, that's what the Lord told them. He was going to be. He said, I'm going to give to every one of you exactly what you've said. They got their confession. They got what they wanted. Remember the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha comes and he promises her that she'll have a son. She has the son. He dies of a heat stroke. He goes, tells his daddy, I got a headache. He says, go see your mama because that's what daddies do. Go see your mama. <laughs> and he died. She put him on the bed. She went to her husband. And he said, he, he said what's, what's, what's wrong? She said, Shalom. King James, it is well. The word shalom, you know, it means there's nothing missing. Everything is complete. He was dead. She said, it is well. She said, can you get one of those boys to saddle me a donkey? I need to go see the preacher. And this is my paraphrase of this story. He said, why? It's not Sunday. We're going to go see the preacher on a Sunday? She, he, she, he said, why? She said, it is well. She goes. She finds the preacher. The preacher sees her coming. And he tells his servant, he says, go find out what she wants. 
He runs out there and he says, what do you want? She says, it is well. Not one time has this lady confessed her problem. Not one time has she said it's hopeless. Not one time did she ever say my boy is dead. Not one time. The servant comes back and says, I can't figure out what's wrong with her. So he says, what's wrong? And she says, you think she could tell the preacher? <laughs> right? I mean, she went to see him. She said, it is well. And the preacher finally figured out he needed to go find the boy. Sent Gehazi to, to, to lay his hands on the boy. It didn't work. And so he went and he laid on him and, and, and he was raised from the dead. I mean, she never changed what she said. She only said it is well. David and Goliath, they're out there on the battlefield. You notice, Goliath had a confession. His confession was, I'm going to kill you today and I'm going to feed you to the birds. His confession didn't line up with the Word of God, so it wasn't established in heaven. David said, huh, huh, the only meat these birds are going to eat today is Philistine meat. And I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut your head off. And everybody here is going to know that there's a God in Israel. David got his confession because he agreed with God. Listen, when there are two confessions that meet head on and one's from God and one's not, guess, one, guess, guess which one wins? God's word is established. We simply speak what he has to say. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak limp around. No, <laughs> let the weak say, I am strong. Is it a lie when they say that? They're weak, right? They say, I am strong. Why? Because when we agree with what God said, it puts God's power into action in this world. When we agree with what God said, we need to say it. See, faith speaks what God said. I mean, they walked around Jericho for seven days. I mean, they're walking and they're walking, they're walking. Nothing's happened. And Joshua says, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the wall fell down flat based on his word because his word agreed with God. I read a book called Faith Speaks one time by T.L. Osborne. It said this, it said, you said you could not do it, and the moment you said it, you were whipped. You said you did not have faith, and at that moment, doubt arose like a giant and bound you. You talked of failure and failure, and that failure held you in bondage. You talked of fear, and fear increased its grip on you. Perhaps you never realized it, but to a great extent, you were ruled by your words. I mean, that's exactly what's happened. Jesus went into a house one day. And and, and, and and the preacher's in the house and he says, he says, everybody get out. And he says, little girl, because they just told, they told Jairus that she was dead. And he said, she is not dead. She's asleep. The girl didn't have a heartbeat. She wasn't breathing. But Jesus knew that his confession had to line up with the father. And he went into it and he said, little girl, I tell you, arise. And she got up. We need to know that we must not be snared by our words, but we must use our words for what God tells us to say. When you read the book of Acts, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Acts this closely or not, but do you know they never prayed for anybody that was sick in the book of Acts? They spoke to the sick. And they got well. They spoke to sickness and disease, and it obeyed them. I mean, God's word is absolutely true. 
Let's look at maybe just one more passage of Scripture. Look in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. I really like this passage here. Look what this says. Uh, let's go to verse 33. Jesus said, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Everybody listening to Jesus, these Jewish people knew he was talking about the life. He said, make the life good or, and its fruit good. Make the life corrupt and its fruit corrupt. Your life is known by its fruit. Then he continues the conversation. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I'm telling you, that right there just pretty much says it all. He says, you will be held accountable for every... The word idle means inactive, unemployed, lazy, or useless. He said, every lazy word, every unemployed word, every inactive word, I mean, it's going to come to fruition in the day of judgment. And the day of judgment is the day you reap the harvest of it. He said, bite with your words, you're going to be justified. With your words, you're going to be condemned. So you've got to make sure of what words. I've got actually two or three more scriptures I've got to read. <laughs> but your words... The, 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 word, the word guilty, the word, the word condemned means to be guilty, to be placed in bondage, to be put in prison. To be, to be justified means to be innocent and to be set free. We are to learn how to speak the right words. We've got to learn how to speak them. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. This, this is so good. And, and I know you know this verse. Look what it says. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. The blood has already been shed. It's your testimony that's in the balance. We over, the blood's already done. It's already been shed. It's the word of my testimony that needs to be spoken. And loving what he said more than loving my life. Knowing that he's, what he says is right. So what I've got to learn how to do is agree. I know this. When I put the word of God in my life, I'll put life in my words and not death. I'll speak what he said. I'll learn how to say things like, by his stripes, I was healed. One time a lady came up to me and said, oh, you're catching a cold? I was on top of it on that day. I said, no, no, I'm catching a healing. Because I just wasn't going to take the cold. I'm not saying I'm not saying we can't ever say anything wrong. I'm saying we need to learn how to take God's word and speak it. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the will of God. 
That's what God wants for our lives. I mean, the Bible talks about that we triumph in Christ. We have victory in Christ. That we are more than conquerors. That he meets all of my need according to his riches and glory. The Bible tells me in, in Romans chapter 6 that sin shall not have dominion over me. Those are the kinds of things that we need to learn how to say. We need to say what God has said. We need to learn how to agree with God. He's the high priest. Jesus is the high priest of my agreement. Learning how to agree with him. One time years ago, I read this B.C. comic strip. And in it, you know, there's a big old woman, big, big girl in, in B.C. comics. She carries this kind of baseball bat around. And she always beats a snake. Have you all ever seen that? She just beats him. And so one time, I was reading it. And so she, she saw the snake, snake and she said, oh, darn, I don't have my club with me. And she looks at the snake and she just goes, wham, 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 wham. The next, the next frame, you see the snake, he's all beat up. And he says, the word is a mighty force. <laughs> the word is a mighty force we need to decide do we agree with God or do we not and if we agree with him we need to learn how to speak up to say what he said he's the high priest of our confession I don't want to not say I want to say amen, amen. let's pray Father tonight I thank you for your word I thank you, God, that your word is true, that we have the right and the responsibility to speak your word in the world in which we live. God, I thank you and I honor you tonight for what you said in Jesus' name. Amen.